In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. You know, Jack Hayford said something years ago, and I thought it was really powerful. He said, make decisions against yourself. And Alan does it every day of his life. And to me, that is so powerful. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army. We salute you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I am Jim Ramos, and here today with... Dale Culver here every day with Dale Culver. Every day. How you doing, man? Same old, same old. It's Dale Culver. <laughs> I'm doing good. Just grinding it out, <laughs> trying to put up with Ramos. <laughs> so anyway, well, since our Brad Huddleston episode on digital cocaine, I've been working on my monotasking. Oh. And I think that's going to be a, a good benefit for you. So anyway, Praise uh, Jesus. so I'm learning to uh, not be as stressed, and so uh, because I'm only monotasking and not the illusion of multitasking, which we have learned is not true, because the brain is a sequential processor. So multitasking is actually something that does not exist. It's a phrase that we use that is not neurologically true. So all that to say, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, where are you going with it? I don't know, man. I got on a roll. But I got to tell you guys, so we're uh, two episodes in to our five-episode series, and this series is basically uh, dealing with our top 50 podcasts of all time. Out of the 400 and almost 60 podcasts, we have broken it down to the top 50 10 in each of our essentials of manhood. Last week, we talked about the top 10 podcast episodes on protecting integrity. So guys, we've given you the link. Summer's that time where a lot of farmers are in our in their combines and their tractors all day long. It's a great opportunity for you guys to go back and listen to some of these older episodes. I think you'll really, really be blessed by some of them. And you can see how we've grown from episode you know 90 to now. And so there's been a lot of uh, evolution involved in that process, a lot of growth and, and challenge. It's been really fun. And so, man, I'm really pumped. It was really fun for me to go back and say, okay, what are the top 50? And then categorizing those into these five essentials that we have of man. Could some, some of you guys remember that 
that we also called this the man card. So protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. They're actually on a metal man card that we sell online. They're like five bucks. You can get them at manarena.org, and they list these five essentials. Okay, so if you hear me say the man card or the five essentials, or if you hear me say the definition of manhood, those are all very, very similar. They're the exact same thing, actually. So I'm excited about this, and as you guys know, normally in July, we repurpose our podcasts. It just is a great time to give us a break a little bit. Dale puts a ton of effort and energy into editing these things and getting them out, and so instead of giving them a break, I decided not to. So we may do some repurposing <laughs> in August just because he needs a break, man. He works his butt off. And so anyway, so July is that, that month where we're going to take these five essentials, and we're actually doing this because we want to promote a really a strategic program that we're launching this fall. And we don't have a name for the program, but basically we're taking these guys. We've recruited guys from all over the country, literally all over the country, and it's about uh, two dozen guys. And those guys are partnered up, and they are launching these that we're calling these guys national team captains and they are launching a strategic ministry of small groups that are going to happen virtually through zoom with guys all around the world actually Mm -hmm. and these spots are extremely limited we're only taking 20 guys per group so it's very very limited and it's on a first come first serve basis and so if you go on to org, there's a button on the homepage called Join Our our Program. If you go in there, it'll put you on a waiting list. Now, I want to say that, and I also want to add that August 1st, we are launching, officially launching, our online best version of a man assessment. So we have taken the 20 qualifications of biblical eldership in the pastoral epistles of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. We've taken those 20 qualifications. We've broken them into two statements per qualification, equal 40. And you go online and take that assessment. It'll tell you which of the areas you're the weakest in. And then you can see that online. You can actually compare your results to others. And then from there, we're going to ask you to sign up for these virtual teams. And I'm really excited. We actually have teams of men meeting all over the country. I mean, literally all over the country. I just got a email from a guy in the Denver, Colorado area who's actually doing a a virtual or a a live small group with a lot of military guys and Leos, law enforcement officers, using my new book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times. So this is happening all over the place. What we're doing is we're saying we're going to make this strategic because we have a lot of guys out there, Dale. We have almost 11,000 guys in our forum. We've got guys from 122 different countries that have listened to our podcast in the last year, and we need to have a place for these guys to get discipled. You know, we have to help these guys move into their best version, and we need to be more strategic. So I'm really, really excited about this. Do you have any thoughts or opinions or things you'd like to add? I'm ready to rock and roll and get that thing going. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And guys, we got a great group of guys from all over the country. I would say this. I'll, I'll take a risk here. I might regret it. If you are a guy who's engaged in our ministry and you believe that you meet the standard of the 20 qualifications of biblical eldership and the pastoral epistles, and you'd like a shot at this national team captains thing, let us know, and we'll send you an application. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's we are very, very, very strategic and very limiting in who comes on that 
team because these guys are the elite guys in our country. And so to be one of those guys is a is an honor indeed. And and to be involved in one of these teams is going to be a great honor. A lot of organizations like ours will have one leader who will ha- charge guys a hundred dollars a month to sit on a Zoom call where he coaches them and he leads them. And and we really don't want to be that kind of organization. We believe in a team concept. We believe that Jesus is the one who should be on display, and he puts us on display, but not one guy at a time, but he puts us on multiple guys working together just as the 12 disciples. And so because of that, these national team captains are our go-to guys. So Jim Ramos is not going to be up there charging you $100 an hour, to sit in a class that he's developed. I've already written the books on it. You just buy one of our books and you go through this book with some some guys that have been trained and strategically placed in your life. And man, this is going to be some light. We, I really believe this, Dale, that the life change, I mean, our podcast, we get emails and notes every day about how the podcast is impacting guys. We hear the same from the books that we've written. We hear the same from the forum. But I believe with all my heart that when a guy gets on a team with a group of other dudes, that's where that's where everything is cemented. Yeah. It's like the knife. You can sharpen that knife, but it's not until you get that knife honed. I just bought a knife from Benchmade. The knife was very expensive. I'm not going to say it out loud because I don't want Shannon to know how much it was. I did a wedding. I got paid. I bought this really expensive knife. <laughs> so that knife. makes it better. Anyway, <laughs> but here's the deal. They they When I bought this knife from Benchmade, I've never bought a Benchmade knife. In fact, it's right here. I'm holding it. I'm holding it in my hand right now. When I bought this knife, they said it comes razor sharp. But then when I got this knife and I opened it, I went, oh, it's razor sharp. All they did is they put it on a file. And so when you look at the actual edge, it had grooves all the way through the edge. So I had to go back and file and and sharpen this knife down and hone it. So now it's got a razor sharp honed edge, which is more sustainable. The edge that's just ground down with a file, it may cut hairs on your head, or it, <laughs> it may cut hairs on your arm, but it won't last because it doesn't. It's not honed, and that's what we're doing with these men. We want to hone these guys. And right now, I'm in the studio. I'm shaving my arm right now. I just barely touched it and shaved, and that's what we're trying to do, guys. We want to hone the fine edge of your life, and that's what these small groups are for. So, enough, enough with that. Spaces are extremely, extremely limited. So if you want to get on there, first come, first serve. So again, when we're talking about the top 10 podcasts of all time per each of our five essential categories, I want to share a couple things again in review, guys. Sometimes uh, the podcast was was one of my best ever or favorites just because of the man. Sometimes we just had a man on there. It was great. And by virtue of what this guy's done in his life, he was an automatic. Uh, I also want to say this, that there was more competition in the leading courageously category than any other category because we're targeting men in the stress bubble. We're targeting men who are in that arena of life, 20 or 30, late 20s to 50, early 50s with kids in the home. We're targeting those guys, and what we're finding is the biggest battles they're fighting is how do I have a vibrant dynamic, healthy marriage, and how do I raise vibrant, dynamic kids who love Jesus? So those are the two things. So we have a lot of competition. So next week when we get to the Leading Courageously Top 10, I'm telling you guys, these guys 
are world changers. I mean, there will probably be 40 million books sold represented in that category. As far these guys are world changers, and so huge focus on marriage. Uh, and I, like I shared earlier, when we went to the Protect and Integrity uh, section, a lot of uh, the experts there, the podcasts that we really resonated with, dealt with lust and pornography and how to overcome uh, being addicted to any kind of lifestyle. Uh, another way a guy got on this list is if they were just an author that stood out. You know, last week's number one author or p- podcast with John Eldridge, the podcast itself was not great because we had we were just figuring out how to do podcasts. But John Eldridge, as an author and his impact, especially with his book Wild at Heart, uh, he also wrote a book called Waking the Dead. Uh, man, his his stuff is epic. And he was on there because he's just an epic author. And then also for me personally is if something from the podcast really stood out to me or really inspired me to do something great, then I would uh, include that guy on the show. And actually, we've got a couple on the list today that that impacted me to respond and act in tangible ways. So anything you want to add there, Dale, when you look at this list? Uh, it's humbling that we got to hang out with these guys. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. It, it's really humbling to be in, in the company of these guys. I mean, we belong there, and uh, and I know that we're a blessing to these guys, but what an honor to be a part of these guys. So, Dale, you've just seen this list, so you didn't know the list beforehand, so I'm going to ask you to respond to some of these, and if something impacted you or you actually remember it, uh, please let me know. Now, again, these are these are all based on... The essential number two, which is called Fighting Apathy. Now, what I want to say is I have five books written as a study guide. There are study guide series called Strong Men, Dangerous Times. And this study guide booklet is called The Climb. And the reason it's called The Climb is because we believe that fighting apathy. So apathy, guys, is indifference, impassivity. It's the inability to feel what you should be deeply caring about, that's what apathy is. It's like taking a callus with this sharp, sharp knife I'm holding right now and cutting the callus off. You won't feel that because there are no no nerve endings. And so a callus on your hand is spelled C-A-L-L-U-S. But a calloused heart is spelled C-A-L-L-O-U-S. So we want to cut away the calluses U.S., so we don't have a calloused heart, O-U-S. And so this is the greatest battle you will ever fight, especially in a world. I was at Starbucks the other day. I meet with a good friend of mine who mentors me, and the guy helping me was clearly a dude, clearly a dude, mask on, long hair, but there's a little button on his shirt. His name was, I'm not going to share his name, a little button on his shirt that said, they, theirs, and them. And so what that shirt said is, don't address me as a he or she. I'm non-binary, so address me as a the, them, the, yes, or them, that, them, they, or theirs, or something. And I'm like... You're confusing me. Well, I was confused, (laughs) because that's a dude I was looking at. And so what I'm saying is, we live in a world that says, oh, you don't, you, you, you can have a bathroom now that says other. You know, you can choose where you identify. Uh, There's all, but you, apparently, if you identify as a man... Our culture badmouths you and vilifies you and calls you toxic. And so I'm calling BS on that. And I'm saying we have to fight against that. We need to step into the mantle of manhood that God has given us and embrace it and not shrink back. Hebrews 10.39 says we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, 
but those who through faith are saved. And so mm. when we're talking about this apathy battle, these are these are podcast episodes that will push you to respond and to become your best version in Christ. So I hope I've been clear on that. Okay, so I'm going to break these down in descending order, number 10 to number 1, and I will explain the reasons why they're at the level they're at or, and why they're not. Some didn't make the list, but these are the top 10 that did. So the first one is number 10. Kenny Luck, episode 164, wrote a book called Dangerous Good. Kenny's got an outstanding ministry. He's based out of California. And and in his book, he said something that I want to bring out that I thought was really good. He said that men who are the dangerous good, men who are dangerous because of how good they are, they decide in advance that they're going to obey God. And so if you decide in advance that you're going to obey God, that when those hard things come, you are ready to act. So number nine is Paul Cole, episode 338. You know, Paul was really impressive to me. So Paul leads a ministry called the Christian Men's Network. He took over his dad's ministry. As you guys know, Ed Cole may be the father of men's ministry, and uh, he's written several great books. But Paul uh, wrote a book recently called Just a Bartender, which is a story of Nehemiah and how that impacts us as men. And the thing that really stood out with me is, is, first of all, Paul really, I really appreciated Paul as a man. He's just an interactive, engaging guy, and he's super busy. You know, in Korea, their organization has reached a million men in Korea. I mean, just what his impact has been vast. And so the thing that impacted me the most about my episode with him was he talked about having a large capacity heart and how a man builds a large capacity heart. And I thought that was really, really good. And I think if you go back and listen to that episode, you'll really appreciate that. And so part of our our, our role as men as we fight apathy is we've got to expand our capacity. And so if we don't fight apathy, our capacity is like a... a, a arteries that get clogged, they slowly, slowly compress. But a man who expands his capacity to love others and expands his heart, he has the ability to be bigger than he is. And so that's where I think, you know, we hear the prayer of Jabez in First Chronicles uh, 4, 9, and 10, where he's saying, enlarge my territory. Well, what God is saying in response is, I will when I enlarge your heart. He doesn't enlarge your territory without enlarging your heart. So I thought that was really good. So number eight, oh, any thoughts on Paul Cole's yeah, guys, you'll never be able to enlarge your heart until you carve out time and sit down and listen to God. Yeah. Find out who you are in Jesus and, mm-hmm. and take time out to do that. So that's so important. You're not yeah. gonna, if you're not going to find a quiet place and and just listen to God and you're so busy watching binge watching Netflix, you're never going to know what his plan is for you. I think that's so important, man. We've got to find a place. Like I went to the gym yesterday and lifted weights, and I, you know, I, I, I was sharing with gym? you. I went to the gym yesterday. Wow. The they, the masks is our friend Dave who owns the gym called me. Hey, where have you been? I go. I've been working out in my garage gym. He said, Hey, I go. I'm not going to come back till the masks are lifted. He goes, Okay, no more masks. So I I was in there, wow. loving life, you know. But I got to tell you, with, during this garage gym thing. I had a goal of bench pressing 225 for 20 times, and I actually did it about two months ago. So I enlarged my capacity through, but it took time in the gym. So my next goal, here's my next goal. You ready? By December 31st, I will do 20 of the ugliest pull-ups you've ever seen. (laughs) And I know they'll be ugly because I know they won't be pretty. But I'm going to do 20 pull-ups by the end of December. You're going to pull your whole body up by yourself? I'm going to pull my whole body up over a bar. 
I can do. T- I can probably do ten right now. Wow. I'm going to do twenty. And so I have to, in order to meet that goal, I've got to go invest the time in doing it. Are you going to be able to muscle it up? Or no, I don't do muscle ups. Those aren't. I don't do muscle ups, and I don't do kipping pull ups because kipping pull up is just a, straight pull. Kipping pull wow. up is an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a kipping pull up. There's a kipping thing, but a pull up is a pull up. So yeah, thanks. okay, thanks for that. Just a little CrossFit bitterness there. Okay, anyway, so number eight is Stephen Mansfield. He's episode 130. So Stephen wrote a book called God and Guinness, talked about the story of Guinness beer and and this godly guy that founded Guinness beer. It's really an outstanding uh, uh, podcast. But more than that, Mansfield's written several books. He wrote, and one of his books, Mansfield's Book for Manly Men, was really impactful for me. And in that book, and so the podcast wasn't even on that, but because he's written so many other books that resonated with me, I've included him in here. He told a story when he was in college. He was playing outside linebacker. Might have been high school. I can't remember. He was playing outside linebacker. And if you guys know anything about playing outside linebacker, the job of the outside linebacker, I'm specifically talking about the guy who would be over the tight end. So that guy's job is to close... That guy basically, his inside shoulder is the C-gap, and his outside shoulder is the D-gap. The D-gap, there is no gap. It's from the outside all the way to the sideline. The goal of the outside linebacker on the tight end side is to close down the C-gap and and extend the the D-gap to the sidelines or string it out. And so it's one of the most difficult positions on the field to play, and it takes a great athlete who's very, very disciplined. Well, Mansfield was playing this position, and he could not figure out the position. He kept losing ground and not closing that C-gap down to protect the play from a a power or an inside zone or a blast. So his coach got a lawnmower, and he actually mowed a section of the field and said, you are not allowed to leave this unless it's a sweep. And so he was coached to protect his field. And his field was this little five-foot diameter circle. And that really impacted me as a word picture that God has given us a wife. And he said, this is your circle. Mm. God has given us a family. And he said, this is your family. Protect your family. But how many guys go outside that circle? with their buddies or with their hobbies or with their sin, and they don't protect their field. And so I need to protect my field. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, any thoughts on that? No, that's real good, man. And I, I, I agree that we need to be careful of those things that are pulling us away from our family and our wife and our kids. And, and, uh, you might not like it, but, uh, you need a guy to call you out on that. Yeah. Well, you need a coach. Like yeah. uh, Stephen had a coach, and so this isn't a family thing because this is really even though the illustration was was about you know your your family and your wife, but we need to have our lives built around guardrails and limits, and that's why I love the Bible so much. It just it it's got boundaries and guardrails built in mm-hmm. that helps me to become the best version of myself and not wander beyond my best version. Right. And that's so important. That's so good. So number seven would be Elmo Winters, episode three seventy four. Elmo is a great friend. He serves with me on the National Coalition of Ministries to Men board of directors and Elmo is a black American dude and man what an awesome dude he wrote a little tiny book I mean it's little it's I wouldn't even call it a book it's like a booklet or a pamphlet it's called overcoming racism and it was so refreshing 
to have a guy like Elmo on our podcast to unpack this garbage that's floating around, you know, Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter, uh, uh, what's the other Antifa? To and I call these. This is gar- These are lies that the world is sowing that are not truth, you know. And there's no such thing, guys. You got to be careful here. And Elmo does such a great job of articulating this. Biblical justice is antithesis of social justice. Mm. So, and you could also look up a guy named Vodi Bakum, B A. U-C-H-A-M, Vodi, V-O-D-I-E, Bauckham. Biblical justice is about equality. It is about making wrong things right. It's equality. Social justice, which is what we see with BLM and Antifa and these groups, is about equity. In other words, you need to pay me back Mm -hmm. what I owe. And that's not biblical justice. You know, God is about equality and biblical justice, but there are groups out there saying no. You need to pay me back for that thing that happened to my great, 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 great grandpa, who I don't know who his name is, but you need to pay me back for that. And that's what it says, and it's wrong, and it's a lie, and it's a deception. And Elmo really does a great job of unpacking it much better than myself. So I would encourage you guys to listen to Elmo's podcast, episode 374. Number six is Clarence Schuler, and uh, Clarence is episode number 435. Uh, Clarence does a lot of writing about his wife and his marriage, and we interviewed him about his book, Keeping Your Wife is Your Best Friend. So Clarence Schuler, first of all, he really impacted me with his heart for God, uh, with his, his desire to be authentic. His books are extremely authentic and vulnerable, and the thing that stood out in in his book to me was keeping your treating your wife like she's in the first class seat treating her like she's in the first class seat and i think so often i treat my wife and my wife's a flight attendant so often i treat my wife like she's in the back row near the bathroom the stinky toilets back there or she's in economy or something and i really need to to work better i need to work more i, I think we all do right of making our wives and treating our wives like they're first class did yeah. anything stand out to you from that podcast? Yeah, there's this sucky question of, I'm supposed to ask my wife, we, we gathered from this podcast, am I a pleasure to be married to? Oh, that's right. And that was good. I don't want to ask her that. <laughs> I, don't... I think I go into Mexico in 2007 <laughs> on All Inclusive uh, to celebrate my 15th anniversary, and uh, these little guys would show up, these little Hispanic dudes, hey, can I get you a drink, senor? Can I get you something to eat, senor? And they'd bring me anything I wanted. I'd be like, oh, thank you. And they'd be like, oh, no, senor, it's my pleasure to serve you. And I always laughed at that because I should treat my wife that way, right. and she should say to me, and, I, and I, honestly, bro, I don't think she can all the time. I, I would give myself a 60 to 70% that she would say, my husband is a pleasure to be married to. And that was really powerful. Can your wife say that about you? Uh, well, you, yeah, I would hope so. But one of the things that I actually put in my notes on my phone, hot towel. Y'all, yes. So when she gets, she's in the shower, if I could sneak in there, grab some towels, uh, a towel, and throw it in the dryer, get it nice and hot, and then sneak it into the bathroom. So when she gets out of the shower, she grabs this, Nice, hot towel. Okay, so be honest. I've done it once. Okay, thank you. And I I need to do it more. So confession time. Confession time, since we're confessing. So what? one of the takeaways from this podcast for me was this one. My wife's birthday is on October 23rd, okay? So I put in my computer, every 23rd 
is my wife's birthday day. And so I wish her a happy birthday. And so I missed it yesterday. So, do you have it in your computer? So I've done it twice. Dang it. But I, then I said, happy birthday day. What? I go, happy birthday day. She goes, you know, my birthday's not till October. I said, yeah, but it's your birthday day. And just that little statement, she lights up. Oh, you were my birthday day. So that was good. So, that was, so thank you, uh, Clarence Schuler, for yeah, that. That was a great so podcast. So number four is, and actually Paul Friesen made the list twice. He's the only guy who's on here twice because we actually recorded an episode with him and his wife. So that's his grace there. And we actually have one woman on the podcast here that we're going to mention a little bit later uh, down in the next couple of weeks. But Paul wrote a book called Loving Your Wife Like Jesus, Loving Your Wife Like Christ When You Ain't No Jesus. And my takeaway, this is episode, guys, 297. And Paul is such a pleasure to interview. He's so fun and engaging. Actually, he used to run a family camp that my family attended in back in the turn of the century in 2000 and 2001. And he also does some Bible study stuff with the New England Patriots. But you, you'll know this as soon as I mention this. The thing that stood out to me the most is the story of the eight-cow wife. Right. The eight-cow wife. And this guy marries this kind of homely woman, but he pays the ultimate price for her, which is nobody had ever paid more than eight cows for a wife, and he pays eight cows to get this wife. This is obviously in an island country, an island community, I think Sangha or or Samoa or something. And this and this guy visits this family about a year later, and he doesn't recognize the wife. Who is that? And he goes, well, that's my wife. I've been married about a year. He goes, that's your wife? She was homely. That's the one you paid eight cows for, right? And he said, yeah. And he goes, she was homely. He goes, yeah, but as soon as she learned I paid eight cows for her, everything about her changed. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, that is so powerful because... I can't tell you how many women I see on social media with their husbands or I run into them in public, and a lot of these guys, their wives are pastor's wives or community leaders' wives, and their wives are frumpy and homely and look angry and look beat up and look wounded. And I'm like, dude, that's a reflection of the husband because the Bible says the wife is the glory of a man. And so how you treat your wife, we'll see it. And if you treat your wife like the eight-cow wife, she's going to look different. I was, you know, we, I told you I went back to the gym yesterday and I had two different guys walk up to me in front of my wife because she was working out with me too and said, your wife is beautiful, man. How do you, how'd you get such a beautiful wife in front of my wife? <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, thank you very much. It's how you treat them. It was so awkward and embarrassing, but that's, <laughs> you know, that's how it is. You marry this this person and then you, you invest in her over a lifetime and what you do will reflect in how she her, her countenance, because every man who gets married marries a beautiful woman, right? Every single man. I've never met a man who said, man, I married my wife, but I've always thought she was really ugly. Nobody's ever said <laughs> You'll that. You'll do. Nobody's ever said that. So you married her, when, and she was beautiful, but my question to you now, man, is, is your wife ugly? And there are a lot of guys out there who will tell me, yeah, my wife is ugly. I don't know what happened. She was beautiful when I met her. Now she's ugly. And I'm like, well, that's because you're a crap hole of a husband. True. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to yeah, say. That was a great podcast. That was so good on that. Just, so you got to love her, and she will she will blossom. Eight cow wife. So number four, and I'm I'm gonna I'm actually gonna put you on the spot here because I think that this podcast was memorable to you, 
as it was to me. And I think you're going to remember something very critical about this podcast. Number four, episode 380, is Todd Wilson, who has Family Man Ministries. He literally lives in a mobile motorhome with his family like 300 days a year and travels the country speaking with his kids in the car. And he had several things. Like he said that you are a homeschool parent. Every dad is a homeschool dad. Every dad should be teaching their kids, whether their kids are in private school, public school, or homeschool. But there was one thing that really, two things that really impacted me about the podcast personally impacted me. Do you want me to share mine first? Oh, it does. Well, I w- what I, I ended up getting the little coins from him. You did? I did, yeah, and I've used them, and my kids have used them. Explain the coins for the guys so, that don't remember. Yeah, so that he has these little coins that he makes that say um, one, they're one hour of time with Dad. And so you give them these coins, they're little wooden ones, and then when they like, man, I need dad time. I need you. They can bring it to you, and you have to put away everything you're doing. You need to stop what you're doing and fully engage with your kid. And so it was funny the other day, actually, because Noah's used his already. And he's like, Dad, I don't have another coin. Do you have any more of those? And I'm like, yeah, buddy. Keep handing them out, baby. So I gave him the coin back, and he's like, okay, I'm going to save this because I'm going to use it to spend time with you. And so... That was, to me, super cool. Like, man, stop what you're doing. Engage with your kids. And uh, so, yeah, all all my, all my four of them have a coin. Dude, that's a pro tip move, Dale. Good job. That's a pro tip. So the two things that impacted me, number one was say yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm saddened by how many kids are outside playing basketball alone all the time. Or I'm saddened by how many kids are at their sporting events and dad's not there. I'm just saddened by that. I'm saddened that so many dads say, I'm tired, or say later, or can we do it another time, or can I take a rain check, instead of just saying yes. And Todd said, just say yes. But the thing that impacted me the most about the podcast, and I know this impacted you as well, he said, you need to smile at your kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, I, you know, I, I mean... <laughs> Honestly, at times, <laughs> yeah. we all have kids that we're like, dude, I, this kid here, I, uh, I love this kid, but I don't like this kid. Yeah. And so that our face articulates that to the kid, yeah. our ch- son or daughter. And so for me, I was like, I need to smile at my son. I mean, I've got three sons, so th- neither of them will know which one I'm talking about. I need to smile at my son. I need, to, I need to have a face that says, man, I love you. And guess what? I like you. I like you. So I think that was important for me. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, number three is uh, and this this one I think every man should read this book. I think that this was monumental when he wrote it and and 10 years later he rewrote it in 2020. It's the book No More Christian Nice Guy by Paul Cochlin. It's episode 316. And here's the thing I'll share with you guys. Man, this is so so simple guys. It is so profound. Jesus was not nice, and neither should you be. Let that resonate. He was good. In the church, we're used to nice. And Paul, in his book, writes that we should repent of nice, and we should be instead good men. I have a board member. Actually, Paul came over. Paul lives in Oregon. Paul came over and spoke at one of our events. And he did a good job. I didn't really resonate with his message because I'd heard it so many times. But one of my board members was deeply, deeply impacted because his whole life he said, I've been nice, and I realized I needed to repent. And it's been really good to watch him go from nice to good. And uh, it's he calls me out a lot more. <laughs> and if you're a yes man, 
You need to repent of that. That means you're a nice man and you need to become a good man. Number two, we just had this one and it was just released a couple weeks ago. And this podcast was so powerful. Uh, it was so fluid and easy and organic. Guys, you've just got to go listen to episode 453. So we had Brad Huddleston on our podcast. He lives in West part of Virginia. He wrote a book called Digital Cocaine. And this book, Dale, just I, if I if I had kids in the home, I would memorize this book. I mean, this book for a parent raising kids in this digital renaissance needs to read this and needs to implement these tools. So in my life, it instantly I did three things. So first of all, the book he talks about multitasking is not neurologically true. It's something that does not happen. We rapid toggle, we task switch, or we switch tasks, whatever you want to call it. We constantly go back and forth. And people who say they multitask actually have the worst ability to focus and get 40% less done than those who can monotask. And I've been dealing with a lot of uh, stress from the job and the ministry and all the demands. And a lot of it was creating impatience and frustration, which you've experienced the brunt of that. Because I've been doing this quote, multitasking instead of monotasking, and it deeply impacted me. So what I've done is I no longer sleep with my phone in my bedroom. I, it, I move it away from the, house, from the bedroom. Unless my wife is driving home from a flight, then I'll put it in my bedroom in case something happens. Uh, my board meetings now that I run and team meetings, I'm going to make sure that unless if we're in live and in person, we don't have any kind of technology that guys put their cell phones, their iPads, their laptops down and just focus. And then the third thing I did, I am no longer going to bring my phone to work. I'm going to leave it in my truck. When I'm working, I'm going to leave my Wi-Fi off. And I'll check it on breaks so I can focus on the task at hand. So that really impacted me. Hmm. And so any thoughts on the Brad Heddleston interview that well, impacted yeah, you? I have a 7-year-old and a, and a 17-year-old still at home. And um, so it's really caused me to go, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so we fight against... Um, Video games, we, we don't really, we have a Wii that nobody uses, but um, playing Minecraft on the tablet once in a blue moon, and, and he just flat out says, don't. He says all. that's the most evil game. In his book, he said it's the most evil game. It's the game that has the most problems of any other game. I don't even know what Minecraft yeah. is. I, yeah. don't, I have no idea. It's per, the pixels, it's super pixely. There's nothing fancy about it, but it has roped kids in. And and so, yeah, I've been challenged quite a bit. And my, I told my wife, I'm like, oh, man. And I told her a few things we need to do. And she goes, finally, you're going to listen to somebody else. <laughs> I've and never so, heard that in my life, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, it was really good. And as we're doing this podcast right now, the seven-year-old's running around, and he doesn't have a tablet. And he's like, he's learning how to cope. Well, he just came in. He's like, I hurt myself, Dad. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, you got a rug burn. What's that? I go, you, you fell on the carpet. Yeah. I go, that's awesome. Come back when it's bleeding. We'll get a picture. Yeah. I mean, but but he's he's fine. Yeah. He's survive. Here's the deal. He's surviving without technology. Here's the takeaway, Dad. Listen, you are not called by God Almighty to be your kid's buddy. You're called to be their parent. Mm-hmm. So why don't you start acting like it? Set You're the gonna. My, up. I cannot, Dale. I cannot tell you how many times my kids said, "You are the meanest dad on the planet." Nobody else makes their kids do that. Nobody else makes their kids work when they're playing three sports. Nobody else's parents make their kids pay for their own insurance. 
nobody else's kids, nobody else's kids, nobody else's kids. And now my kids are thanking me. I've got a 25-year-old that owns a home. My 27-year-old owns a home. My 23-year-old, uh, he's the third of the three college graduates. Now they're going, Dad, thank you. Yeah, We're not soft like all of our peers. Well, yeah, because, because listen, guy, I'm your parent. And guess what the beauty of it is now? I'm my, friend, I'm my kid's friends. Still their parent, but now as they transition into adulthood, my my relationship with them is changing because we enjoy being around each other. And so I would say, guy, listen, you're their parent, not their friend. So number two is Brad Huddleston. And number one, was number one a surpriser for you? When you saw number one, did it surprise you? You know, he's not like famous or anything, but you hear his story and you go, this, this He's not famous at all. He's a no. he's a average Joe by our standards. We brought him on the show yeah. as an average Joe. But what he's, he's done has been yeah, huge. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for about seven years now. Uh, I've mountain biked with this guy. Uh, his name is Alan Schwartz. Episode number 281. So Alan, uh, just a backstory here. Uh, the reason why Alan's number one, when we talk about fighting apathy, first of all, <laughs> fighting apathy, is, we call that the climb. Alan has finished six Leadville 100s. Leadville is the is a, a, a little town that sits above 10,000 feet. It's the highest town in the entire country. And there's a race there called the Leadville 100. It is a mountain bike race, a 100-mile mountain bike race with over 12,000 feet of vertical gain. I, I cannot tell you how insane that is. And Alan has done this race and completed it six times, okay? Now, you may say, well, that's not super extraordinary. What's yeah. extraordinary about it is when Alan – Alan's 57 now. When Alan was a high school kid, he had a tumor on his back. And he had to uh, – or was on his – the back side of – it was on his back on his, his chest cavity. And when they went to remove it, they had to remove like a third of his large intestines. So the, the problem with that as an adult is he dehydrates much faster. So he doesn't really regulate his hydration. Things can go south real quick. And so a couple years later, he had another tumor removed. And when they removed that tumor, they cut one of his nerves, and he has no use of his leg below his knee. So his, his family teases him and calls him bone leg. And because his leg doesn't develop, there's no nerve going on down there, no nerve... Uh, it's kind of flops. Function. He's got a drop foot, but it starts at his knee down there, so he's got nothing there. So when he rides, he rides with a brace. And so he's got the drop foot. He's got the intestines, which causes dehydration issues. And then two weeks before the event, he got a double hernia. <laughs> so he's got here's this guy who's already you know got some physical challenges. He goes and rides the Leadville and has his second fastest time ever with a double hernia. Alan is number one on this because he emulates and imitates and gives us an example of a godly man who through great, tremendous godly discipline has done some some phenomenal and accomplished some phenomenal physical feats. And so he's number one for me because he's done something that guys that we struggle to push ourselves through. You know, Jack Hayford said something years ago, and I thought it was really powerful. He said, make decisions against yourself. And Alan does it every day of his life. And I, to me, that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to tell people what to do, but if we're not modeling it, you know, it, it hurts us. You know, the, the, so those are the top 10 podcasts that we've had on fighting apathy. Guys, I'd really encourage you to go listen to those. Man, just some powerful, 
powerful stuff when we do battle against the greatest enemy of our souls, which literally is the guy you shave with in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And so we need to fight apathy, guys. It's the greatest battle you're ever going to fight. So, Dale, take us home, brother. What's next? Hey, guys, head on over to org and order your copy of Jim's newest book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times. And while you're there, join our program that launches in the fall. And we'd love for you to send us your hero stories at info at org. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at menintheArena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.